Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9.41 a.m. Central Daylight Time. It is the 23rd of March, 2021. And this is episode 385 of Bitcoin. And let's get this shit show rolling, bro. Missed my alarm. Actually, I didn't miss my alarm. I didn't even set it. I completely forgot, man. It was a complete five o'clock in the morning alarm failure. I woke up at like 6.15 going, shit, I blew it. Thank God, thank God, thank God, nobody really, you know, <laughs> I'm not, uh, I'm not going to get fired for that. So <clears throat> uh, that's, that's good news. And, you know, to start this one off, I was thinking today of a little analogy of Bitcoin, you know, we always come up with them and stuff. And I was thinking about, you know, you fall down the Bitcoin rabbit hole is, is definitely a credible way to, you know, to talk about how it is that this thing sucks you in. Another one is, you know, Bitcoin is a virus, totally applicable. But I started thinking, and this isn't going to hold, and I don't mind. It's not going to be like, we're not going to meme this shit into existence. But uh, there are, you know, there are 650 different species, known species of carnivorous plants. One of them is shaped like, is shaped like a vase that's got a cover on it. And a wasp kind of he like goes around the flower and finds this opening at the base of the cover because the cover kind of extends. It's kind of it's called a cobra lily. So there's like the body that comes up like this like the cobra's body, and then it kind of hoods over uh, and, and makes like a little kind of like like a, a cupped shelf on top of it, like you know like a cobra hood, right? And then un- right underneath that shelf is a hole. Everything else is, you know, is completely, you know, is one kind of, you know, vase shape. And the wasp finds the hole in the bottom and goes in. And that's when all the, all the magic happens. So I was thinking about that this morning. And for me, Bitcoin, I, the way that I'm thinking about people, how they're getting hooked now is more like, like the, the, the wasp kind of getting into this hole and imagine, if you will, it's not there. This doesn't exist in the plant's physiology, but imagine if you're, you know, if you would, adding like a couple of spikes at the, at the mouth of this entrance that kind of stabs the wasp right as it comes in. And then the wasp doesn't really know what the hell happened and it's buzzing around and it goes and collects some nectar inside the cup thing and all kinds of neat stuff happens. And then it just kind of gets disoriented and all of a sudden it just finds itself in its new home. And it just never leaves and gets digested by the plant and becomes part of the ecosystem of all the other plants and trees and non-carnivorous plants and bushes through soil, through soil mycorrhizae fungi connecting all the plants. It's like a huge communications network and you literally leave your body. Your body at this point being a metaphorical or basically a metaphor for all the shit that's wrong in the world. All the crap that you see that you have disagreed with, whether you knew it or not. It was like the matrix statement. It's like a splinter in your mind. You know something's wrong, but you just don't know what it is. When the plant stings you as you enter into it, a new consciousness starts to form and you shed all of your bullshit. And that's what Bitcoin does. And once you've shed all of your bullshit, you start connecting with the other parts of the ecosystem. And you, have, you, you find people that have the strictest manner of ethics, high morality, low time preference, 
I don't want $5,000 fucking sneakers. I don't want a Porsche. I don't want a McMansion. I don't want a yacht. I don't want a helicopter or a private jet. You know what I fucking want? A farm. That's what I want. Good, healthy soil. Grazing animals. To reconnect with nature. And to shed all of this crap. I don't want to worry about the bond markets. I don't want to worry about the stock market. I don't care. Other than the fact that it's only in, these things are now only interesting to me in the context of Bitcoin, because it does. I got to you got to learn a little bit about the legacy economics before you learn about the new economics. If it wasn't for that, I would I would still not give a shit. I didn't give a shit before Bitcoin. Now I do. I look, I'm looking at the bond markets and I'm like, why is oil tanking? Oh. Well, b- 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 the interest rates on the 10 year and the 30 year are up. No wonder, you know, it's like, oh shit, the hell I'm turning into an economist and I don't really want to be one. What I'm saying is, is that Bitcoin metastasizes inside of you and literally converts you into another type of person. And if you let that happen, you will shed the shackles and the chains and the cages and all the bullshit that has tied you to some of the most evil, maniacal, lines of thought that have ever been perpetrated on the human spirit. Now, with that rant out of the way, let's get into Steve Barber's rant about insurance. (laughs) Steve Barber at S-G Barber, B-A-R-B-O-U-R. That's S-B Barber, all one word. Yeah, if you don't know, uh, he is uh, using, he is a miner and he uses flared, you know, natural gas uh, to run the miners. And he's, he's doing real well. He's getting to the point now where he's looking for an insurance company to insure uh, his company that fabricates uh, mining containers. They're just, I, from what I understand, they're just pre-built, pre-loaded mining containers that he can just sell to somebody to plug into whatever electrical source that, that they have. And it's probably going to be flare natural gas or other, you know, other resources. But here's what he has to say about trying to get insurance on that company. Literally, zero insurance brokers so far can help me with insurance for a Bitcoin mine fabrication company. They are censoring the Bitcoin industry in general, apparently, not even bothering to price out the risk for my business. Sort of sad, really. Shows they are all in cahoots. I'm not even mad about it, really. I sort of feel like I'm observing the fossilization process in real time. It is clear as day that the insurance industry is highly leveraged on fiat money. They can't cover the claims, just like the banks can't cover the deposits, not without money printing. I'm going to pause right there. We're going to read that again. This is about insurance companies and and, and Steve's comparison of insurance companies to banks. And I think this is vital to understand. It is clear as day that the insurance industry is highly leveraged on fiat money and they can't cover the claims just like the banks can't cover the deposits, not without money printing. So banks deposits are like the insurance claims that that the insurance industry has to cover. Banks got to cover their deposits. Insurance has to be able to cover their claims. What Steve is saying is that both of them are exactly alike. And we all knew, we all knew we were like, we've been inundated, you know, being in this, in this Bitcoin world, we've been inundated with the fact that fractional reserve banking, money printing is causing a situation where if any run on a bank occurs, it's going to be fucking mayhem. Now think of what happens in the next, like, let's say a series of natural disasters were to happen. And what happens to the insurance industry when they can't cover their claims because they're leveraged against bullshit money? What a disaster that's going to be, right? Continuing with Steve's little rant, and it's almost over. Like a guy is literally wondering to himself about starting a shell company just to somehow get insurance. Huge waste of fucking time, this industry. There are liter- they are literally looking at the website and denying me because we promote Bitcoin laws. Man, that I gotta tell you, dude, I, I really like Steve. There's there are some things there are some things that Steve says I wholeheartedly disagree with. I can't remember what they are, but I know that I disagree with some of the shit that he says. This one, this one's important. 
The comparison to the insurance industry and the banking industry is paramount to understand right now. Considering the fact that insurance companies are just as highly leveraged, they're leveraged on fiat and banks can't even cover their deposits and they're printing money. Think about the roll up on that. I mean, if this shit, if, if this shit, like if the fly unzips, you know, that schlong's going to roll out and it's not going to be a pretty sight. And the insurance, the insurance industry, if they, I mean, they are leveraged against fiat. So, oh my God. Now, the saving grace on that. We saw Mass Mutual and a couple of other insurance companies start buying Bitcoin. Those are the companies that would probably survive a cascade failure because they're going to be deleveraged off of fiat to some extent, and they'll probably be able to survive. If more and more insurance companies wake up to the fact that they are leveraged long on something that is completely unstable and, unre and becoming increasingly unreliable, ooh, could be, a, could be a bullish maneuver. And this is another one, okay? This shit just hit the wires today. This is from Bitcoin Magazine. It's being written by Casey. Breeze Lightning Client integrates native podcasting network. That's podcasting 2.0, brothers and sisters. The Breeze Lightning Client now includes a native podcasting network, a major step toward bringing the decentralized economy to podcast creators. As consumers increasingly turn to podcasts for digestible content, content creators have found the world of podcasting rife with adversarial monetization. Traditionally, creators must rely on advertisements embedded within their podcasts. This not only breaks the natural flow of the content, but encourages podcasters to pander to their ad advertisers and not their audiences. Enter Breeze. By integrating the streaming of podcasts with an instantaneous payment system like the Lightning Network, Podcast creators become self-sufficient and self-monetized. This is often referred to as podcasting 2.0. When we start the podcasting 2.0, oh, sorry. When we started the podcasting 2.0 movement, we anticipated lightning service providers and wallet developers would see the use case of value for value streaming payments, says Adam Curry, an original champion and longtime proponent of podcasting in an announcement about Breeze's new support for podcasting sent to Bitcoin Magazine. Quote, the whole team at Breeze made the vision a reality with their in-app podcast player. This is a game changer for podcasting and lightning, end quote. The legacy podcasting industry is largely dominated by centralized services, which take large portions of earned ad revenue. By eliminating the extraneous drain on revenue, streamers can reconnect their efforts with their earnings. In addition, Podcasting 2.0 encourages creators to reconnect with their audiences as they become the financial driver of the podcast growth rather than the advertisers. Streaming sats to podcasters is a great example of how we can expand the P2P lightning economy into many new areas. Bree CEO Roy Scheinfeld explained to the, in the announcement, quote, the fact that users carry a lightning node in their pockets adds a lot of freedom and it can really improve our overall quality of life, end quote. The increasing ease with which consumers will be able to directly pay content creators is going to play a large role in the decentralization of the economy. Breeze mobilizes this economy via Lightning and Bitcoin and is leading the charge in offering real alternatives to traditional centralized streaming platforms. So, okay, now this is... This ain't the, the this ain't the first rodeo for lightning being used. Uh, if you've listened to me talk about it before, I you can go listen to my podcast right now on Sphinx Chat. You know, you join my tribe. I think I've I've charged like a hundred a hundred sats for for that. I'm not sure. I don't I don't have my my client up yet. I like I like to reduce my CPU load when I'm recording, so I got a lot of shit shut down. <clears throat> But you join the tribe and then in you can there's a sidebar and you can select, you know, today's, you know, today's episode. And I've got my bar set to three sats per minute because I truly believe that it well within my lifetime we're gonna see sat dollar parity. So three dollars a minute in my mind, quite a bit of cash to be listening to me. So that's why I've got set so low. You can set you can reset the bar on your thing in this in the uh, Sphinx chat to zero and not pay me a damn dime. And that's fine. I'm, I'm good with that. You can crank it all the way to the right and pay me like, I think they've got it. I think the, the highest end is a hundred sats per minute, maybe a thousand, but I think it's just a hundred. And 
you can stream me value for value on the Sphinx chat. Now Breeze is doing it. And the way that that works is that it's it's the way that you set up the RSS feed and, and what you have in your RSS feed and there's a value tag. I think they or yes, I think they call it a value tag that's that's embedded inside the RSS feed. And if you use that, then you'll be able to, it 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 becomes a little bit more difficult because the only thing that I'm really used to is connecting my the lightning my lightning node to uh, Sphinx chat. But now, see, I just got a message from somebody that said that they just installed the 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 Breeze podcaster and were listening to my show and like and gave me a boost. Chances are good I'm not going to get that boost because my initial RSS feed that comes out of SoundCloud does not have the value tag in it. So I don't know what happened to those hundred, you know, the, the sats that he sent me. And that's my fault. Okay, because I got to get off the stick and, and figure out how to put this value tag into my SoundCloud RSS feed. And, and and do that because I didn't I didn't see this shit on the horizon. I didn't already see Breeze about to bounce into this this uh, podcasting 2.0 industry. What I'm getting at here is watch out, watch out because now that Breeze has integrated it, they're the as far as I know they're the second people to do it. They may be the third, but as far as I know they're the second people to do it. There's going to be a third, a fourth, a fifth, and if people are listening to my podcast from somewhere other than Sphinx Chat. I'm not going to be able to get the value. So it's now up to me to make sure that I've got that RSS feed set to where no matter what platform you're listening to it on, if that platform allows you to boost me with sats or stream me sats, then and only then will I get it. At least that's the way that that's the way that I understand it. Um, I need to get in touch with Adam and I just, I honestly wish their documentation was a little bit better, but they're a little bit busy. Keep that in mind. If you want to do something for the industry and you don't know how to code, you don't know how to program, you don't know how to make a web page, you know, some people are really good at writing manuals. And if if that's what you do and that's what you do well, then go to Adam Curry and say, I am willing to figure out how you do your shit and translate that into an easy to read manual that is step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, and boom, and make it work. And you'll people will will start asking you to do more stuff. I, I guarantee it, man. There's there is a dearth of quality manuals insofar as how to do some of this stuff. And it's coming fast, y'all. It is coming fast. Now, into into a little bit of mining stuff. Bitcoin miner Greenridge generation to go public through merger with support.com. This is out of Bitcoin Magazine, written by Casey as well. Green Ridge Generation Holdings Incorporated, parent company of Green Ridge Generation LLC, a vertically integrated Bitcoin mining operation, announced today that it plans to go public via a merger with support.com. The agreement would be the first to bring a self-sufficient power-generating Bitcoin mining operation to the stock market, according to the release. Quote, this merger is an important next step for Green Ridge as we build upon our existing integrated and proven platform for Bitcoin mining and generation of lower carbon affordable power, says Green Ridge's CEO, Jeff Kurt, in the release. By integrating the power generation aspect of Bitcoin mining into their business, Green Ridge sidesteps the energy variables that traditionally complicate Bitcoin mining. The company also boasts low fixed cost shared between its power generation and Bitcoin mining operations. In addition, Green Ridge's upstate New York location provides access to some of the lowest cost natural gas in North America, resulting in an average mining power cost of approximately $22 per megawatt hour, states the release. Man, that's actually really damn cheap. As Bitcoin mining grows in North America, it is increasingly incentivizing energy producers like Green Ridge to allocate excess resources to an economically rewarding practice like mining. The plant Green Ridge operates is capable of generating 106 megawatts via natural gas. Currently, 19 megawatts is directed to mining capacity to be expanded to 85 megawatts by the end of 2022, according to the press release. The merger would contribute to a growing list of public entities converting excess power to Bitcoin mining and would be the first time in which the entire operation from energy generation to the mining process is owned by the same firm. So you're seeing vertical integration in the mining and power generation business. Let's, let's do that again. 
let's just say it one more time. You're seeing vertical integration in mining and power generation. Now, power generation at that point, they could just be buying their natural gas from you know cheap sources, or they can generate that gas themselves. And that's where play, people like Steve Barber come in. Uh, and oh, let's see, um, uh, Great American Mining and the people that are working with oil producers directly, you're going to see vert. That's what Marty Bent was talking about. You're going to see vertical integration from pulling it out of the what, building the wellhead, which means boring the ground, doing the stuff, putting the wellhead on it, all the way to throwing it into electrical generation units and then onto mining. You're going to see a full stack vertical integration from ground to Bitcoin. And it's going to be freaking marvelous. And the news just gets better because HUT 8 is to join Foundry USA pool and adds 14,400 machines with 5,000 more to follow. <coughs> this looks like it might be, oh, from uh, EIN, EINpresswire.com. And this was written today. Foundry USA's pool seamless, seamless integration with DCG subsidiary Genesis will enable HUT 8 to maximize Bitcoin mining yield. Uh, one of North America's oldest, largest, and most innovative Bitcoin miners in Foundry Digity, Digital LLC, a wholly owned subsidiary of Digital Currency Group, focused on digital asset mining and staking, jointly announced that HUT 8 is now mining on Foundry USA pool. HUT 8 has added a portion of its total fleet, 14,400 Bitcoin mining machines and over 0.81 exahashes of compute power to Foundry USA pool. The company is also planning to deploy an additional 5,000 more machines by August of 2021, meaning HUT 8's compute power generated on Foundry USA pool will amount to over 1.2 exahashes by August. To cater to the needs of large mining customers such as HUT 8, which currently holds more self-mined Bitcoin than any other publicly traded Bitcoin miner in the world, Foundry USA Pool offers miner treasury management services, an additional set of services that derive from the pool's seamless integration with DCG subsidiary Genesis. Among those services is an option to generate yield in Bitcoin on the mined BTC, which allows clients to maximize the overall BTC yield of their operations. Other Genesis power powered products include high security custody, BTC collateralized lending, derivative products, and seamless liquidation. Let's stop for just a second and add to what I was saying about uh, what Marty Bent has basically talks about every, well, actually not every once in a while, quite, quite, quite a bit. In fact, we were talking about the vertical integration from pulling it out of the going into the ground, pulling it out of the ground, going to electrical generation and going to mining and then going to Bitcoin. We got to add another stack to that vertical integration banking. I forgot about that whole point. And that last sent that last paragraph, that was all about banking that the, the minor treasury management services, is once you've got the Bitcoin, well, now you maybe you can get a yield off the Bitcoin. Lending services, saving services, payment services. It's, the shit is all, I mean, the, the, integra the int vertical integration from getting it from the ground all the way to payment services in one single vertical integrated stack is coming. You will see columns of these vertical integration stacks everywhere. Texas. You'll see it. There's a lot of natural gas in the Northeast. You'll see it in Wyoming and South Dakota. You'll see it in Idaho. You'll see it wherever somebody can punch a hole in the fucking ground, right? This is one of the most exciting times to be alive, people. You're, you're literally seeing the, the co-integration of energy, money generation, and banking all at once. And this is what scares the, this was, this one is what should really scare the piss out of people like Augustine Karstens, the man, the general manager of BIS, Jerome Powell, and all the rest of the central bank managers, because at that point they lose complete control of money from generation to banking services, to payments. Everything is gone. Not just banking is gone. Not just policy is gone. 
you know, not just, you know, payment services are gone. The actual generation of the cash itself is also gone. Everything's gone. No wonder they're pissed off. No wonder FATF put out the FUD yesterday about lightning services, and we may get into that, uh, although it is FUD, and I'm kind of trying to stay away from doing that. But let's, let's continue with the HUD-8 news. Quote, we are focused on growing shareholder value in every decision we make. That suit speak, quote, having a formidable Bitcoin mining pool based and operated entirely in North America is important to us as we continue our momentum as one of the largest and most innovative Bitcoin miners in the Western Hemisphere, end quote. Hut 8 is the latest mining company to start mining on Foundry USA Pool, whose other major customers include North American institutional miners Block Crap, Block Crap, sorry guys, I don't know anything about you, I'm not making fun of you, Block Cap and Foundry itself. By offering some of the most competitive payouts, fees, and services, Foundry USA Pool serves as a strong U.S.-based alternative to the China-dominated pool industry. Foundry's primary aim is to strengthen Bitcoin through geographic decentralization of its mining network. Mm. The infrastructure that forms the backbone of Bitcoin. Well, of course, quote, we enjoy working with HUD-8's team, which is also a client of our equipment financing business. Oh, God, it's getting worse. We are pleased to welcome them to our pool as we work towards securing North America's place among the world's top five Bitcoin mining pools, said Mike Collier, CEO of Foundry. Uh, And and then it goes into some disclaimers and stuff, which I won't read because I'm not on the hook for uh, the fact they don't pay me anything. (laughs) Um, I'm telling you, man, you know, manufacturing is going to be probably that stack. That's what Steve Barber's doing. That the, the, that, Vertically integrated stack from from ground to payment services and everything in between is going to include the manufacturing, which means at one point or another, energy companies are going to own foundries. And I'm not talking foundries like the the, the pool. I'm talking about microchip chip foundries. I'm, dude, the whole thing is changing. It's going to be so awesome. Now, Tropic Square receives $4.7 million to develop open source security chip. Earlier today, Prague-based crypto security startup Tropic Square, a subsidiary of Satoshi Labs, announced that it received a 4 million euro investment to propel its work in the first ever open source security chip. Nice. The funding came from Swiss investment company Alzera. This is from Bitcoin Magazine. It's Ayake Akatubi. I can't pronounce his name. I'm sorry, sir, but I I just can't. Quote, the chip, codenamed TASIC, Transparent Authenticated Secure Storage Integrated Circuit, is expected to be introduced by the end of 2022. And it is already clear that it will be used uh, in one of the most popular crypto hardware wallets, Trezor, also made by Satoshi Labs, according to a Tropic Square press release sent to Bitcoin Magazine. Satoshi Labs users community has been requesting a secure element chip inherently designed to prevent unauthorized access and protect sensitive data. The closed source security chip that are chips that are often used in hardware wallets can be viewed as vulnerabilities in the custody of Bitcoin as the community cannot audit a critical piece of security that is protecting their funds. But the use of an open source security chip could very well have applications outside of Bitcoin as well. Quote, the initial motivation for the whole project was the need for a microprocessor solution for Trezor. However, thanks to the closed source setting of the chip manufacturers, we cannot find an ideal situation. Uh, Marek Palantis, CEO of Satoshi Labs, per the press release, said, quote, We believe that this revolutionary chip can succeed outside of the realm of cryptocurrency. End quote. According to the release, manufacturers of security chips force their clients to sign non-disclosure agreement contracts. Hence, if the manufacturer's users discover a problem, it becomes legally impossible for them to take this to the media in order to warn others of the risk with such a product. Such legal complications, along with a long list of known security concerns, are among the reasons that Tropic Square has decided to pursue the TASIC architecture. So there you go. Now, finishing this one side of the show up, Jerome Powell, Bitcoin is a substitute for gold, not the dollar. Thomas M. tells us about it, btctimes.com. The public needs to understand the risks associated with Bitcoin, according to Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell. <clears throat> During a webinar hosted by the Bank of International Settlements on Monday, 
Powell said that the Fed prefers to refer to cryptocurrencies as crypto assets rather than currencies as their volatility make them unsuitable as actual currencies. Quote, crypto assets are highly volatile, see Bitcoin, and therefore not really useful as a store of value. And just picture in your mind the background of the loss of purchasing power of the dollar since 1913 till now. Uh, uh, we can get about two cents, maybe $2 of value out of a hundred dollars in 1913. So yeah, that, yeah, it's not, uh, yeah, yeah, whatever. Anyway, they're, they're not backed by anything. He says they're, they're more of an asset for speculation. Powell was quoted as saying instead, Bitcoin is quote, essentially a substitute for gold rather than the dollar end quote. While the U.S. itself is still contemplating the development of a central bank digital currency, as is already being tested in a pilot program in China, Powell has a strong opinion on stablecoins, which he described as an improvement upon Bitcoin, but not the base of a future financial system. Quote, a global currency governed by the incentives of a private company is something that will deserve, that will deserve and will receive the highest level of regulatory expectations and quote, God forbid that we be free. You know, a slave without a neck collar isn't a slave at all. Is it Jerome for its own digital currency? The fed has an obligation to be on the cutting edge of research. <laughs> You're only 12 years behind and into its development, but you know, doesn't need to be the first to launch a CBDC. Yeah. Lead from behind there, Jerome Powell. The, re the real threshold question for us is, does the public want or need a new digital form of central bank money to complement uh, what is already a highly efficient, reliable, and innovative payments-oriented system? Oh my God. Lie to me some more, Jerome. This is not efficient. It's not innovative. There, this, is, this is all bullshit. The only thing that's important about this story is that he says the sentence. Bitcoin is essentially a substitute for gold rather than the dollar. What is Jerome doing at this moment? He's throwing gold under the bus as a store of value. Now, I'm not the biggest fan of gold, but I don't hate it either. If you've listened to the show for any length of time, I'm not a gold hater. I think Bitcoin is better. That, I, I make that statement and I'll stand by that statement, but I don't think gold is completely valueless. Some people do like jewelry. It is useful in electronics. And for those two aspects alone, we have entirely too much gold on the face of this planet, which is why I think essentially gold's value is about 50 bucks an ounce. I know you're going to laugh at me. It's okay. I won't blame you. Okay. I can take the slings and arrows. What I'm saying is, is that Jerome Powell, in my opinion, is so frightened that he is going to take a 5,000 year old store of value and literally throw it under the bus to save and cling on to the legacy financial system that is represented by the United States dollar. And this in my mind means that he capitulated. He bent the knee. Fuck him. Let's run the numbers. I'm seeing a lot of red in the streets right now and anything that's to the upside ain't all that great. S&P 500 trading up 0.13%. NASDAQ is up 0.12%. The Dow Jones is down 0.08%. The FTSE's down damn near a full half. Nick, Nikkei is down below a half a percent. And the Hang Seng is down a full 1.34%. The Shanghai index is down damn near a point. That's not good. Now, in bond trading earlier today, before the markets opened, all the yields were looking like they were higher. This is no longer the case. They've all been pushed down. The 10-year is down 0.02%. The 30-year is down 0.011. Uh, Five-year is down 0.016. The two-year did have an increase of 0.002. So right now, the 30-year bond is getting 2.37% on yield. The 10-year is 1.6% on yield. Oil got fucking crushed, man. $58.65. That is a full four and three quarters point to the downside. 
Natural gas got hit hard, 1.43 to the downside. It's trading at $2.54 for 1,000 cubic feet. Gold ain't doing much better. It's down 0.708. It's coming in at $1,725 per ounce. Silver's down a full 2%, $25.25 an ounce. Whoa, man. So that's, yeah. And what was funny is that the yields were pushing up real high pre-market and now they're not. So I was talking a little bit yesterday about, you know, the fact that I've just, I finally come to the conclusion that it's all about the bond markets. And, you know, what's the core, it doesn't matter if Bitcoin is correlated to the stock market or whatever. The correlation that I think is important to understand is what correlation, if any, does Bitcoin have to United States treasuries. I think that that's a very important metric and I haven't seen anybody actually produce that. And I'm not that bright, so I'm not gonna be able to produce it either. I don't know, I mean, I might give it a shot, but I would screw it up so bad that even in verse bra would probably tear me a new one. So I'm not even, I don't know if I should even try. I don't want the small ting on my ass. Now, real money, if, as you know, we've got a bloodbath in, in Bitcoin and the rest, of, uh, the rest of the crypto industry in general. Bitcoin is at $55,050.26. I got, it looks like I got a high over at HitBTC at $55,196. And the 55050 is indeed the low. 306,545 transactions performed in the last 24 hours gives us 12,773 transactions on average every hour with 513,000 BTC being sent in that 24 hour period. That is 21,381 BTC being sent on average every hour with an average transaction value of 1.67 BTC and a median transaction value of 0.018 BTC or $972 US. Block times are low, and I mean low, below nine minutes at eight minutes and 44 seconds. We have 0.5 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis and 80.76 BTC being taken in fees overall in the last 24 hours. With a 0.65% bump in hash rate, we are up to 172.4 exahashes per second. Whoop-de-doo. What did, what did Doge do? Ooh, dude, I, somebody dropped off my shit, bro. Oh, God, XRP is now number three. Uh, that's, I'm looking at bit info charts, and the chart will readjust sometimes uh, without me you know, asking it to, uh, depending on market cap, and it squeezed one of my lines off. Dogecoin is chilling out at 5.5 cents. So that's what, that's, Dogecoin is your alt market index. You don't have to worry about the price of Bcash or anything like that. All you need to do is understand what Doge is doing, and that gives you the indicator of the entire shitcoin market. That's why I bring it to you. Now, we have 37,000 transactions that are going to have to onboard 76 blocks to clear. We are down to $1.03 trillion in market capitalization, capturing 9.08% of gold's market cap. And one Bitcoin will buy you 31.5 ounces of shiny metal rocks. We have 18,662,117.59 BTC in circulation at the moment. And Clark Moody has a price at $55,070. There are 1,160.38 BTC in the Lightning Network, and that equals $63.9 million of capacity value, run over 9,848 nodes representing 40,350 channels. We have a drop in Tor, no, actually we have a bump in Tor capacity, I think. The percentage of Tor capacity of the Lightning Network, that is the you know Lightning nodes that are running solely over the Tor Network, uh, at 55.2% and that's 640.68 BTC. And there are 4,149 Tor nodes representing Lightning. That's gonna do it for Vitals. Welcome to part two of the morning roundup. Get By the time you hear it, it'll probably be the afternoon roundup, but hey, what are you gonna do? I forgot to mention that uh, when I got bronchitis, I, when I went to the doctor, they gave me prednisone. It's a steroid. 
And it always works to help with, with me not getting really, really bad bronchitis. Here's the thing. Prednisone is a powerful drug and I don't think we give it enough credit, man, dude. That's one of the reasons why I blew through, you know, blew through, uh, three o'clock, three thirty in the morning, which I'd normally wake up and is and am able to go back to sleep. But man, prednisone is wiping me the F out, dude. It's just, Oh God. I'm like, I'm literally sitting in a fog right now after my fifth day of this stuff. And I'm like, I cannot wait to get off of it. it causes weight gain too. So ladies be aware if your doctor tells you that you need prednisone, you're probably going to get real hungry. It always does it to me, man. Okay. Now in the annals of state stupidity, we have the California Republic. <laughs> Jamie Crawley is going to tell us about this from Coindesk. The state Senate of California has introduced a bill that would make permanent the use of blockchain technology for corporate records. For, for corporate records, y'all. <laughs> but they're on the blockchain. Oh my God, it's a miracle. Yeah, at present, California corporations are allowed to use blockchain technology to record information relating to the issuance and transfers of stock until January 1st, 2022. This legislation, introduced February 19th and set for hearing on April the 7th, would make these provisions permanent. The state Senate voted in favor of the bill by 32 to 4 at its first reading on February the 22nd. The bill would also amend the definition of blockchain technology to mean a decentralized system that stores mathematically verifiable data and uses distributed ledgers to store specialized data in the permanent order of transactions recorded. Well, I've heard worse definitions, honestly. The existing definition is simpler, defining blockchain technology as mathematically secured, chronological, and decentralized consensus ledger or database. Now, none of the last two actually matters. It's the fact that they want to store corporate records, uh, apparently issuances and transfers of stock uh, on the blockchain. You don't need a blockchain for that. And any blockchain, quote unquote, that you put on that isn't going to be an actual blockchain because nobody's going to give a shit about mining it except the state of California government. Well, that's a centralized issue, right? And what I'm getting at here is why does Bitcoin have value? It is a token that lives only on the Bitcoin blockchain. And no, wrapped BTC is not Bitcoin. It's a version of Ether. You've essentially given your Bitcoin to somebody as an IOU, but guess where that Bitcoin lives? Not on the Ethereum blockchain. No, it lives on the Bitcoin blockchain because you cannot get Bitcoin out of the Bitcoin blockchain. It is the token necessary to give value to human beings that introduce capital expenditures because they think the token has value and therefore they're gonna spend the money to secure that value, i.e. by securing the Bitcoin blockchain. They're securing the token. If you put a message in, in like, I don't know, in, in one of your transactions, which will actually be secured by the blockchain hither and yon, the miners don't give a shit about it. What they give a shit about is the token because it's the token that has value. In this particular case, no one's gonna care about mining this data because the token isn't going to be traded as a shit coin on open markets. And even if it was, it would trend to zero in comparison to Bitcoin like all the rest of the shit coins. Nobody's gonna mine this chain. Therefore, the chain has no security. Therefore, there's no reason to put any of this shit on a blockchain. Please stop putting bananas and tobacco and shipping records and garbage on blockchains that nobody cares anything about. Whew. Now, here's somebody apparently who needs somebody to care about Bitcoin. Time Magazine seeks a CFO that's comfortable with Bitcoin and crypto. Oh, good Lord, it doesn't actually say that, I don't think. Turner Wright may have gotten this wrong for Cointelegraph. Um, <clears throat> A new job posting from Time Magazine shows that the 98-year-old publication is looking for a chief financial officer familiar with blockchain and cryptocurrencies. 
Let's see what let's see what happens here. According to the job details listed on LinkedIn, Time is seeking a chief financial officer with more than seven years of experience in executive leadership positions and who has comfort with Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Okay, okay. So I guess it, I guess it actually did say that. But it's fun, funny. It's like comfort with Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies. Now screw that other shit. The position will be based in the magazine's corporate offices in New York City. Quote, the media industry is undergoing a rapid evolution. What, of death? (laughs) Anyway, time is seeking a chief financial officer who can help guide its transformation. What, into worm food? (laughs) Sorry, I should should focus. My apologies. The responsibilities of the chief financial officer include researching economic trends and complying with local and global financial requirements. The winning applicant will purportedly replace outgoing chief financial officer Christopher Gatos, who has been with the magazine since 2018. Time magazine is not alone in using the popularity of the crypto space to seemingly entice new talent. Amsterdam-based education technology firm Growth Tribe has minted its job postings for a digital designer and user interface instructor and listed the non-fungible token on the rareable marketplace. Oh, God. Though candidates may still bid on the token, applications are only accepted through the firm's website. Stupid. Quote, although the idea of a job ad as an NFT makes no sense from a collectible point of view at this point, it makes total sense in trying to grab the attention of digital talent, in quote, said Growth Tribe Chief Strategy Officer David Arnault. The magazine also seems to be more accepting of blockchain recently. Time announced on Monday that it would be, yes, we know, auctioning three non-fungible token digital art pieces inspired by some of its most iconic covers. Time creative director D.W. Pine, who designed one of the covers, described NFTs as a crazy yet lucrative world. And that's why time is going to die. That and his crappy reporting. No collateral lending protocol teller opens public alpha to NFT holders. Okay, late boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> we're going to go down this. So just keep in mind this sentence or this question as we read this. What could possibly go wrong? Andrey Shervenchenko, please tell us how it can go wrong. Cointelegraph.com. Teller Finance, a project building an under-collateralized lending protocol for decentralized finance, has announced the launch of its mainnet alpha stage. They're in alpha, people. This will enable certain users to obtain credit without being required to post collateral which is the case for most other DeFi lending protocols, it's already bad. The Teller Alpha will be accessible only to holders of a special non-fungible token called the Fortune Teller NFT. The tokens will be sold on Thursday with half of the proceeds of the sale going to the protocol's liquidity pools and the remaining half will be used, you guessed it, to fund development. Only $10 million in total value sorry, in total value locked will be allowed during the early stage. The fortune teller NFTs will also represent artworks by various well-known artists commissioned by teller. The full list will be revealed post-sale. Teller Finance combines a no collateral lending protocol and a secured loan option. The under collateralized platform is powered by traditional credit score assessments used by the United States. Teller uh, Teller users must connect their bank accounts to the platform, which will calculate loan terms based on its credit risk algorithm. Factors like having having significant funds in the bank account and a stable monthly income will influence the maximum amount borrowable borrowable and the interest rate. Oh my God, dude, this is, this is like payday loans, man. The credit risk assessment is published on chain via tellers validators, which use a subgraph to connect a cloud-based infrastructure to the blockchain and the tellers smart contracts. The loans are dispersed via crypto or stable coins. Teller secured loans work in a similar way to platforms like Compound, requiring users to post collateral exceeding the loan amounts. 
This form of lending is mostly useful for building leveraged long and short positions on shit coins. Teller's gradual rollout comes as more and more protocols choose to pursue a guarded launch strategy, limiting the potential losses from protocol malfunctions. The alpha mode is expected to last for several weeks as the protocol enables NFT staking and rewards. And my God, what could possibly go wrong with an under collateralized alpha stage that, uh, let's see, what is it? that uses a subgraph to connect a cloud-based infrastructure to the blockchain and teller smart contracts. This is a scam. I suspect, you know, it would not surprise me if this ends up being the biggest rug pull, pull in the history of DeFi. This is bad. You connect your bank account. It looks at your deposits. It looks at your savings. It looks at your checking. Somehow or another, it's probably it probably is getting your fucking FICO score direct from your bank because God only knows your bank probably doesn't secure your FICO, right? Stay away. Stay as far away from Teller as you possibly can. Everything about this screams rug pull, all right? Be careful out there, ladies and gentlemen. It gets bad. It gets so, so bad. Now, Grayscale. I've said it. I said it yesterday. Grayscale will convert to an ETF. I think that that is inevitable. I think they very well may be the first one to get it. If not them, I hope maybe the Mooch man gets it. Scaramooch is kind of cool so far. I mean, he says some some stuff that I don't agree with, but... You know, so far he's a pretty good proponent for BTC, so I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. But will Grayscale convert GBTC to a Bitcoin ETF? Ask the question. Uh, Tim Copeland's asking the question from Decrypt.co. The Grayscale Bitcoin Trust is a popular way for investors to get exposure to Bitcoin in the forms of shares, has now had a negative premium for an entire month. This negative premium is not new terrain for Grayscale's institutional investors. In the past, those wealthy investors have purchased shares in the trust in order to engage in a form of arbitrage, flipping them to retail investors at a profit months later once a regulatory lockup period has expired. Now, the negative premium appears to be the cause of a recent collapse of inflows into GBTC. As Bitcoin lending firm BlockFi CEO Zach Prince told the What Bitcoin Did podcast, one would have to be a complete moron to subscribe to create new shares of GBTC while the liquid shares are trading at a discount. He suggested investors might as well buy the shares on the open market if they want to buy any at all. BlockFi itself has purchased significant portions of GBTC shares in the past, but now the new negative premium not only eliminates the arbitrage opportunity, it makes the shares themselves a shaky investment, especially in light of Grayscale charging an annual 2% fee to obtain and package the underlying Bitcoin. In fact, a report by Crypto Insights platform ByteTree, <laughs> bite me, stated that if the negative premium uh, remains the selling pressure and the selling pressure increases, this could morph into a systemic risk. The reason behind this is the sheer size of the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust, which currently holds 655,000 Bitcoin or about $37.5 billion, according to data provider CryptoQuant. As amount an amount significantly higher than any other fund. As a result, Grayscale is trying to return the price of the shares to its net underlying valuation, or the NAV. It, it, uh, its parent company, Digital Currency Group, announced on March 10th that it plans to purchase up to $250 million worth of GBTC shares with its own cash, helping to stimulate demand. I, I, I don't like that shit, dude. Quote, Grayscale has a tremendous incentive to get the liquid shares back to NAV or premium because otherwise their spigot of new subscriptions is completely shut down, Prince noted. But the cause of the premium could also be a way for Grayscale to get itself out of this pickle. As reported by The Block, a report by JP Morgan suggested that the recent launches of 
Two Bitcoin ETFs in Canada, since this report, a third is launched, have drawn investment away from GBTC. Meanwhile, institutional investors who have unloaded shares in order to collect on the arbitrage opportunity have dragged prices down, according to JP Morgan. Other Bitcoin trust offering lower fees have also emerged in the U.S., like Osprey Funds and Skybridge Capital. Prince pointed out that there are also some ETFs like ARCW, which holds GBTC shares. So when ARCW has outflows, it's forced to sell GBTC, which adds again to the selling pressure. But it's the ETF competition that brings about an opportunity for Grayscale. The Grayscale Bitcoin Trust was formed because the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission has not yet granted any company permission at all to create a Bitcoin ETF. It has repeatedly delayed ETF applications, claiming that the Bitcoin market was just not ready. Like a Bitcoin ETF, the Grayscale Bitcoin Trust was formed as a way to let institutional investors get exposure to the price of Bitcoin without actually owning Bitcoin itself. However, the drawback is that unlike an ETF, the trust doesn't allow investors to sell their shares to Grayscale and receive the underlying Bitcoin back. Quote, there is currently, for the Grayscale Trust at least, no redemption mechanism, so things can go in, but they can't come out, Prince said. Without a redemption process, there's no way for GBTC owners to swap their shares for Bitcoin. This friction point prevents investors or market makers, uh, market makers from returning the shares to the price of the underlying Bitcoin, and it's why Grayscale appears to be looking into creating a Bitcoin ETF. There are hints that Grayscale is planning to introduce some form of Bitcoin ETF with multiple job filings on its career page, seeking to fill roles for ETF specialists. Grayscale CEO Michael Schonenstein told Decrypt that, quote, if Bitcoin ETFs and other digital currency ETFs were to be allowed by the SEC, it's a safe bet to say that Grayscale would be very interested in operating a fund that draws on our history of operational excellence to meet what we anticipate would be a surge in investor demand, end quote. Continuing, quote, beyond that, we don't discuss future business plans, he said. While no ETF has yet been approved by the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission, the existing of three Bitcoin ETFs in Canada and now one in Latin America, that's the one in Brazil, and multiple Bitcoin electronic traded notes or ETNs in Europe could put pressure on the SEC to change its position. If it does so, Grayscale will be able to join the fray, giving it two options going forward. The first option is to convert GBTC into an ETF, which Prince suggested could happen. He said that if this were to occur, it could enable the value of the shares to return to NAV or even to a premium. Mesury CEO Ryan Selkis poured cold water on the idea. In a report on March 17th, he pointed out that the SEC has previously issued a cease and desist order against Grayscale and Genesis Global Trading for offering redemptions on an earlier Bitcoin investment vehicle. He also claimed that converting GBTC to a Bitcoin ETF would force it to cut its 2% annual fee, which he described as the exchange's golden goose, something it might be reluctant to lose. It's notable that Grayscale actually completed or contemplated converting the GBTC into a Bitcoin ETF in 2017, but chose not to follow through with the, with the idea at the time. Grayscale's second option is to introduce a Bitcoin ETF separately into its lineup with the option of converting the GBTC over at a later date. This is the strategy currently being used by Skybridge Capital, which has filed for a Bitcoin ETF trust to sit alongside its current Bitcoin fund. Bloomberg Intelligence ETF analyst James Seifert argued that this would be the right move. Quote, there are definitely pros and cons to doing this, but it would allow them to maintain that massive 2% fee on GBTC's $760 million annual at current levels. God, that's a lot of money, man. <laughs> While taking advantage of their absolutely dominant liquidity lead versus every other traded Bitcoin fund on the planet, he tweeted on March 16th. But until the SEC decides to get off their fucking ass, ain't shit gonna happen. Well, that's not the way that it was actually put in the, in the article, but that's what it is. Um, I think you can bet it would be a terrible bet to say that Barry Silbert and crew over at GBTC is uh, doesn't already have a complete portfolio and proposal and all 
any filings whatsoever, they're already prepped. They are ready to be stamp dated and signed. The second that the SEC gives anybody an actual go ahead, it is boom on the table. And because of GBT's length of time in the industry, and because of the fact that they haven't completely fallen on their ass and they seem to be above board and they seem to be competent in what they're doing and have such a long track record, I would assume that the SEC would give them first dibs on an, on an ETF. That's what I think. I also think that they will probably not convert GBTC directly into an ETF. They will probably do that thing, that second option where they create a, a brand new ETF and then allow people to convert their GBTC to the ETF and still maintain some kind of fee structure for the people at GBTC. Not that they need any more money. They've been the only game in town since what? Bef I think last year, before last year occurred, they were literally the only thing that you could really do unless you were in Europe. I don't know, man. In either event, that's gonna do it for the morning roundup. Terrible Joke Corner brought to you by Dad Says Jokes. Hey man, I built a model of Mount Everest and my son asked, well, is it to scale? I replied, no, it's to look at. Oi vey, I'll see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.